Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello. I'm Howard Dory. And I'm Jess Dory. And welcome to season three of Plotting yes, Through the Presidents. We're finally back. I don't know if this break was actually longer or felt like eternity. Were we gone longer than usual? I, it, it was a long time. I don't know days and weeks and months anymore, but yeah. I don't either. I couldn't even remember what month we were in yesterday. I don't know what day it is. <sighs> um, it's good to be back. It's so good to be back. Yeah, definitely. I miss doing this with you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That was an interesting answer. And also with you. Okay, that's better. All right. <laughs> we are really excited to bring you some brand new, lesser known stories about the early American presidents and their families. And this season, our biggest season yet, we're going to be shaking things up a little bit. I'm still going to be sharing stories with Jess, and she doesn't know what I'm going to be talking about ahead of time, so it's new to her. That's still going to be the bread and butter of what we do. But this season, we're also going to have some interviews with very cool historians and authors. Mm -hmm. um, Interviews that focus on the kinds of stories that we love to tell. Yes. Uh, so I can't wait to hear these interviews. I'm going to be part of the reflection of the interviews. And once you actually hear these interviews, you're, you're, my guess is that you're going to decide, I should have been there. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. And we want yeah. to hear from you about that, too. All right. Does Jess need to be in the room? With everything that Howard does. That's the question. <laughs> I ask myself that sometimes. <laughs> it's still debatable. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear what you brought because this is a long break and you've been working on so much and I, I can't wait to hear what you've been working on. Yeah, no, I've just been winging it. So <laughs> <laughs> such is your way. Today's topic was inspired by the new first pet in the White House. Wait, first pet. Okay, I think I know. After eight years with no pets, Joe Biden brought dogs back into the White House again. Two German Shepherds, Major and Champ. Sadly, Champ passed away in June, but Major is still there. Was Major the um, aggressive one? Yes. As you may know, he was in the news for nipping a couple of people earlier this year. I mean, nipping is what dogs do. Was yeah. it a bite or a nip? Come on. There are questions. <laughs> Um, the first person was a Secret Service agent, and then a National Park Service employee a few weeks later. If you're a Secret Service agent, you can't get in with the dog. I worry about your ability to protect the president. You know. That's all I have to say about that. The White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, she tried to downplay the first incident in a way that I think made it sound even worse. Oh, no. She said, Major was surprised by an unfamiliar person and reacted in a way that resulted and a minor injury to the individual. A minor injury? I, the, <laughs> so the dog just reacted, and the injury resulted. I can't tell from that if Major bit someone. I, I think maybe he tased them. <laughs> so Major went to a private training facility for a few weeks to help him adjust, and he should be fine now. He's a good boy just trying to make his way in a crazy environment. I mean, when you think about it, it is a crazy environment. Yeah, lots I mean, of people. He just moved. Mm -hmm. He just moved. Remember Emerson after we just moved? Yeah. I mean, she was tagging people left and right. Also, I mean, there's a lot of people in uniform there. And my dog growing up, I think only ever bit two people. And they were both, you in know, uniform? men in uniform. Yeah. I wonder what dogs think of people in uniform. I don't know. I mean, they're scary to everybody. Can, yeah, maybe. Everybody gets nervous around people well, in uniform. Well, one, one was a pizza guy. Can you call that a uniform? I think it was. <laughs> that's not a uniform. It was like a red polo shirt or something. It was kind of a uniform. That's a red shirt. It's not a uniform. I mean, they, if they all have to wear it. Okay. Um, today's story is not about a dog. I'm so confused. What's it? It's about the first pet in the White House. Uh, not exactly. Okay, we'll get to it. Today, we've got a wild tale of a presidential animal that was described in all of the following ways. Rather small, beautiful, Wicked, abominable, and a monster. A ferret? <laughs> this, 
This beautiful creature was responsible for the first known deadly incident at the White House. What? Oh. Do you know what it is? I think I do, but I don't want to ruin it. I'm about to tell you, so if you know, go ahead. Raccoon? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Um, Grace Coolidge had a raccoon, but to my knowledge, not it did not kill anyone. It didn't kill Was Okay. Um, a horse? No, no. Am I on the right track? I mean, it's got four legs. <laughs> now I feel like we're playing an animal guessing game. So yeah. just tell me. It's a sheep. A sheep killed somebody? Yeah, a male sheep or a ram, if you're it into labels. It rammed somebody? This ram was owned by Thomas Jefferson. Oh my God. Now, I want to warn you that this story has some tragedy and some violence, and it may not be appropriate for people who still have the ability to feel things. <laughs> That's not us. No. <laughs> but I think it's a fascinating window into early Washington, D.C., and a little bit about sheep breeding, and especially how Thomas Jefferson's mind worked. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always wanted to know about, you know, sheep breeding. Well, you're going to learn a little bit. <laughs> and at the end, there's even a little game for you. Oh, great. You know how I love interaction. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> we let you out of your cage every yes, once in a every while. Every now and then, it's nice to be involved. Yes. Some of this comes from the research of J.L. Bell on his blog, Boston 1775, which just celebrated 15 fascinating years. Congratulations, um, Bell. So our story begins in 1807, in mm -hmm. the early days of Washington. Uh, at that time, it was a developing town, still very swampy and open and unpaved. Ugh. Everybody knew everybody. Thomas Jefferson is the president. He's mm -hmm. been president for seven years. He's not running again, so he's got like one foot out the door. He'd rather be doing anything else at this point. Right now, he's the least popular he's ever been as president because of the Embargo Act. Do you want to break down the Embargo Act? Oh, for sure. So basically, Britain and France, they wanted us to pick a side in their forever war and only trade with one of them. And Jefferson said, screw your ultimatum. We'd rather starve. So instead of picking sides and going to war, he banned trade with both of them. What? In his eyes, it was better than going to war, the cost of lives and everything. That makes sense. Yeah, but it was still uh, really unpopular. So maybe the only good thing to come out of the Embargo Act was this sudden big push for the U.S. to start manufacturing its own stuff. As part of that push, Jefferson was obsessed with getting the best wool for clothes, which meant developing the best sheep. He had sheep back at Monticello, but he also had a flock of sheep on the grounds of the White House, and they were mostly gifts. So he had this strict no-gifts policy as president. Except for sheep? Yeah, he thought it was unethical to receive gifts, but he was totally all about accepting sheep. Because in his mind, he was breeding them for the good of the country. Okay. Yeah. But he, w he thought it was an unethical to... Okay, slavery is okay, but I can't accept gifts. Sorry. It's, it's true. <laughs> yes. He's a very ethical person. Yeah, he had Clearly, a very he selective very ethics. Strong morals. Mm -hmm. No um, gifts. I'll take sheep and slaves, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. Draw the line. Drawing the line at sheep and slaves. Yes. I will only take things that I can breed and make money off of oh, God. a businessman by the name of james d berry he knew about this hobby of jefferson's and he offered jefferson a ram berry was from a family that was very big in early dc they built the first catholic church there and everybody called it berry's chapel how big do you have to be to get a church named after you wasn't the town small so everything was named after everybody that's why there's like mr baker well, sure, but that's a bakery. Shoemaker. When was the last time you saw a church that was like, you know, Johnson Church of Christ? I honestly, I don't, I have no idea what they call churches these days. I'm, t I'm telling you, I don't think many churches are named after people anymore. Maybe it was a big thing back then. Benevolent Mary. Yeah. Church of Mary. Yeah, this was the Church of Barry. <laughs> so the ram, what I'm saying is it didn't come from some nobody. It was, it was this ram came from from high places. And it was no ordinary ram. It was a Shetland sheep. What? Shetland. Shetland? Shetland. Shetland. Sh Shetland. 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 Shetland sheep. Are they uh, particularly aggressive? No. They're the chillest sheep. <laughs> Super chill sheep. And Jefferson had been thinking about something a friend told him about Shetland sheep for years. That they make the finest and most expensive wool and they're the source of super soft Shetland stockings. Oh, yeah. I, even I own a Shetland. No, I yeah. don't. 
I mean, I, I mean, that had to feel like heaven on your like gnarled 18th century feet. Can you imagine? Yeah, I really don't like socks in general. So you know me. I well, these socks I don't are wear different. Socks. These so- it's like wearing a soft sheep on your feet. That sounds uncomfortable. Okay. But you, on the other hand, like to wrap your your feet in many layers. Yes. I haven't seen my feet in years. I, neither have I. <laughs> yeah, it's better that way. It's better. So, super chill breed, usually. Hmm. This ram did not get the memo. He didn't get any of the memos about how to be a typical ram because... All right, well, let's talk about the horns. Were his horns abnormal for Shetland sheep? They were abnormal for Shetland sheep, yes. Uh, Shetland rams, they have either two horns... Or no horns. This ram had four horns. And that was really rare for this breed. So his socks are going to be really special. You would think. I think that's what Jefferson thought. (laughs) Really? Yes. No, Um, he did not think that because he had four horns that his wool would be special. I looked into it. Did he really think that? He thought that there might be something special about this ram. And he had a soft spot for it. And I thought when I was, you know, researching the story, I didn't find that there's any correlation between four horns and like more aggression Mm -hmm. but i did find um that rams with four horns are twice as horny (laughs) all right thanks for listening everybody (laughs) and good night (laughs) i'm sorry you came i'm sorry that was it so two of the horns curved toward it like normal but the other two were pointed outward like like it's gonna ram somebody (laughs) (laughs) exactly with pain (laughs) yes and regular rams are dangerous enough. Like, we get the word ram, as in, like, ram into something, mm-hmm. from these animals. Because their instinct is to hit things head first. Do they chase first. and then hit? Do, will they chase you down to hit you? Yes. Like a rhino? Yes. I was chased by a rhino once. You know that, right? I, I do. It was hilarious. It was so funny. How, I couldn't believe it was happening. But you lived. I did live. I just ran. I didn't look back. And then I climbed a tree. <laughs> That's a different story, but I'm wondering if these sheep chase you down. Um, like, well, I'm just curious. No, I want to hear more about why you're not allowed at the zoo anymore. <laughs> it wasn't at the zoo. It was in the wetlands of Nepal. Okay. I want to hear about the Shetland sheep. All right. The way that this guy Barry offered the ram to Jefferson, it makes me wonder if there was something off about the animal from the start. So it sounds nice enough. Here's what he said in his offer letter. James D. Barry presents his compliments to the president of the U.S. Starts out nice. Here's my possessed sheep. (laughs) It has been his wish ever since he got the ram to give him to some gentleman who would attend to propagating the breed, which he thinks will be a useful one and will suit the soil and climate of this country. It sounds very nice, but also like this sheep takes a special person. I want to know why. Yeah. And he, he also says, ever since I got this thing. So that to me says, like, the second I got this ram, I started looking for someone else (laughs) to take this ram. I've wanted to get rid of it. It's like he's compelled to pass it on and ensure that it multiplies. It's like the movie It Follows. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. It's like the VHS tape in the ring. Mm -hmm. And Barry, like, had to pass it on to survive. And It Follows, like, you have to pass on the STD metaphor to survive. (laughs) What's a good thing that Jefferson was all about breeding that ram? He would have those soft, sweet Shetland socks in no time. Ew. He wrote to his granddaughter right away, and he described the ram as rather small and a round and beautiful animal. Oh, it's like me. <laughs> <laughs> it, just like you, there were no hints of danger to come. <laughs> Little did they know. Exactly. <laughs> um, until a couple months later, no. Joseph Doherty, he was an Irishman who ran the White House stable, and he took care of the sheep. He warned Jefferson about the ram in a letter. He said, The ram here has become very unruly. He has beat the shepherd until he would not follow them anymore. Oh my God. (laughs) He has beat the shepherd. Yes. Until I made him take a large dog on a rope by which he is now protected. Wait. Oh, the shepherd has a dog. Yeah. The shepherd has a... Keep in mind, the shepherd was an old man. Oh God. In case you were picturing something that did not involve an old man being beaten... No, an old man was being beaten by a ram. So did the ram kill this poor old man? No. Okay. No. All right, continue. Okay, and then Doherty said, he will make battle without offense and turn on anyone that will go near him. Did he have rabies? Like, what was, something was wrong with him? He was an aggressive ram. Oh, gosh. So we have it in writing in August 1807 that Jefferson was informed that this ram was dangerous. 
Okay. And we have Jefferson's response a week later where he speaks to other parts of Doherty's letter, but he doesn't say a thing about the ram. But well, we, he's like, just take care of the ram, Jesus. I guess. But we know that he received this warning. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind at this time, there were no fences or gates at the White House just yet. Oh, yeah. So this ram could just ram anybody, anytime, anywhere. Exactly. Could it go up to the doors of the White House? <laughs> yeah. Could it and, just, like, and it could open doors <laughs> with its horns. Like a raptor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, in Doherty's next letter, he talks about the ram again, but this time in a way that might actually concern Jefferson. Doherty says, um, I'm doubtful of the ewes having lambs by the four-horned ram. Wait, what? Yeah, Doherty said... Did you said, just add an accent to that? I, it, it's, on the, it's in the words, I have to. It's like that time in the elevator where you pretended you had an accent. I didn't pretend. I accidentally mimicked someone with an English accent and it was awkward. And then they said, <laughs> where was I from? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> you totally conned somebody into thinking you had an English accent and then they wanted to know where the fuck you were from in England. Because I didn't even you clearly mean it. sounded strange. It was I only said two words. What was it again? Um the person in their English accent asked me what floor and I said four, please. <laughs> and what are you gonna do? You know four, please. I didn't mean to. It just happened. And then I and I'm mortified and, and they were like, Where are you from? And and um, I just didn't say anything. And they started listing countries. And I just said, no, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That might have been your ultimate weird moment in life. For now. Um, so he said, I'm doubtful of the ewes having lambs by the four-horned ram. Isn't That's poetry. It's so rhymy that I can't it's comprehend so, it. It's beautiful. I can't, I'm so okay. distracted by its rhyming that so, I can't. So this ram is, is jumping the ewes. But they aren't getting pregnant right away. I see. And the stable master thinks that he might be sterile. There's no lambs. Not yet. He thinks this because he suspects that maybe this is not a regular ram. Maybe it's the offspring of a sheep and a goat. Okay. What is a ram usually the offspring of? Two sheep. Yeah. But they think there's a goat involved? Yes. He suspects that it's but goats are sweet. a hybrid of a, a ram and a goat. Goats are sweet. Yeah, I don't know what to say. It's rare, but goats have been known to breed with sheep, and their offspring are called geeps. Geeps? Geeps. Oh my goodness. They don't usually survive, and if they do, I know, they're usually sterile. Just like a mule is sterile, and it's the offspring of a horse and a donkey. Yeah, I didn't know a mule was sterile, though. Yeah, and there's like a difference in the number of chromosomes with the sheep. And the, Okay, so why did it take so long to come out with season three? Because I've been here <laughs> sequencing goat DNA. Oh, that's really disturbing. That's how my mind works. <laughs> that's really disturbing. The ram was not sterile. Okay, so he, it did produce lambs. Oh, yeah, he managed to knock up most of the ewes later that year. So did the ewes produce goats? No. Yodi oats. <laughs> he was... Lambsy Divey. <laughs> it was 100% regular ram, except maybe evil. Um, but yeah, he knocked them all up. He did not grow out of his aggression, though. Gosh, these poor lambs. One thing I or learned. the poor women he took. <laughs> I'm just saying, it probably was really rough. It's going to get rough. lambs. It's worse. It gets worse. Yeah. Okay. One thing I learned is that aggressive rams, they don't just mellow out over time. They escalate. And that's what happened here. So as they get older, they escalate. Yeah. They don't like grow out, out of their... Well, it's like kind of half half the population is like that. You get older and you chill out or you get older and you become like demented and, and violent. <laughs> I'm not going to check your math. That sounds... You know, there's you could become that cool, older, chill person or you can become, you know, a curmudgeon. <laughs> we know what direction we're headed wow yeah <laughs> i think i think yeah. we know what direction Beeline toward yeah. i mean i still have a chance but <laughs> yep i, yeah, I passed gosh. that line a while ago <laughs> february 6th 1808 it was a chilly rainy day when nine-year-old alexander kerr was walking home from no. school his school, the Western Academy, was just north of the White House property, and his home was just east of it, making the White House lawn the perfect shortcut. And who wouldn't want to go across the White House lawn? I know. No. I know. I debated whether to dig into this, but... Um, so sad. Yeah, I think it's good to tell the story and then talk about the ramifications. <laughs> 
you just, that's not okay. I'm sorry. You can't, you can't put puns into ch- child death. <laughs> you can't, you can't talk about child that, death. There's a t-shirt. <laughs> you can't talk about child death and then put your pun jokes. I'm not even to the child. How do you know this child dies? I can tell by how you're setting it up. You think I don't know you? <laughs> <laughs> so Alexander, he knew about this ram. He knew that it was aggressive and he managed to avoid its first attack. But then the ram went after him again, and this time, according to a newspaper account, the ram ran his horns into the bowels of the boy, and it was some time before they were disengaged. Oh my god. The boy was taken home to treat his wounds, and the next day, Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to his father, also named Alexander. I'm going to read the entire letter that Jefferson wrote. Sir, the unfortunate accident of yesterday has given me inexpressible concern. Had the orders I had given some days before for securing the instrument of it against doing injury been timely executed, this great calamity would have been prevented. That they were not will be to me a source of unceasing regret. I am but too sensible that the participation of others in this scene of distress cannot alleviate the sufferings of tender parents. Yet I cannot refuse to myself the expressing to them the deep affection I feel as well for them as the unfortunate victim." Not knowing his situation, I can but offer my devout prayers for his safety and to yourselves my sincere sympathies and respect. That's so sad. Yeah. And yeah, fuck you for not doing anything about it sooner, especially since there were no gates and it's wide open and you know kids are crossing your lawn. Exactly. He knows there's a school there. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jefferson, he'd experienced a lot of loss himself and I believe that he felt bad in this letter, but I'm struck by him saying, had the orders I gave to secure it been timely executed... This was February 1808. His first indication that the ram was dangerous was in August 1807, more than five months earlier. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering why didn't someone just take care of it? You know what I mean? Like, why why was it up to Jefferson to do something? I almost feel like that's something that the stable hands or whoever was tending to the sheep or the ground should have just problem solved on themselves. Why wait for Jefferson? Well, I don't think they had that much agency. Jefferson wanted this ram to be impregnating these sheep. That was its job, and that was his goal. If he wanted that ram secured, it could have been done very quickly. The boy's father wrote back to Jefferson the same day, thanking him for honoring them with his sympathetic and friendly letter. He said the wound was very serious, but there was reason to think that it would heal. A week later, he wrote back to Thomas Jefferson that things were looking up. The boy was improving and finally eating. But it seems that infection had already set in, and Alexander Kerr died a few days later. It's also the type of thing that if there had been modern medicine, maybe he could have been saved, because it sounds like he was healing and then infection. Yeah, absolutely. His classmates at the Western Academy wore black crepe armbands for 30 days to honor his memory. In newspapers, he was referred to as a very promising and beautiful boy. Thomas Jefferson's memo book shows that he sent the Kerr family $25. I'm going to ask what that, how much that is today. Um, 8,000. I don't know. I didn't do the math on that, but it's that's a lot. I mean, but I don't think it was that much. That's not enough though. <laughs> no, it's, it's probably closer to 600 or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough. Not for a child. No, no, no. The Kerr family had six children total, according to a cousin, Alexander Randall. And he wrote that they all died premature and unnatural deaths, except for two sisters who never got married. What? So their family line effectively ended. In his diary... That is shocking. Yeah. In his diary, Randall said that it might sound superstitious to think this, but he wondered if there might be some kind of curse, especially on the name Alexander, as his own son, Alexander, and a couple other young Alexanders in the family had all died. And it all started with that ram. Oh my goodness. That poor boy and his family. To lose all your kids like that? Almost all of them? When Jefferson said that he ordered the ram to be secured, he may have been referring to the fact that it had actually attacked at least one other person just days before it attacked the Kerr boy. The North American newspaper of Baltimore, in their article about the concise history of this monster, reported that the ram had also knocked down and severely injured a poor old man and a female child of one of the president's domestics, insomuch that her person had become disfigured. Oh my God. 
I have so many questions. Yeah. First of all, what's the president's domestic? Is that, I, it would is be that a, a slave? Yes, that's what it would refer to. So a child who worked on his his property. A child of one of his slaves who effectively would have been enslaved um, herself. Now, there's no other evidence anywhere that I've found that, that John Bell has found that an enslaved girl was attacked or disfigured by the ram. It's not saying it's not true, but this newspaper report can't really be corroborated. So mm-hmm. maybe that didn't happen. Okay. It's terrible. The poor old man part is definitely true, though. Okay. His name was William Kiag, and he was a Revolutionary War veteran who came to town to petition for a pension. And as he puts it, in passing through the president's square, he was attacked and severely wounded and bruised by your excellency's ram, of which he lay ill for five or six weeks. Wow. People wrote about themselves in the third person back then, and it's kind of weird. But oh, yeah, he, he's writing about what happened to himself because he's writing a year later and he's asking for money. He okay. said that he was living in a poor house without money and without friends. He wasn't trying to fleece him. He just needed some relief. Mm-hmm. Jefferson sent him $5. Mm-hmm. It's like $100. <laughs> yeah, he's got this like sheep he's risk very- fund. It's like got the sheep fund, the Shetland fund. Yeah. <laughs> hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So after these attacks, after this killing, what did Jefferson do with this violent, aggressive, deadly animal? He set it free into the town. <laughs> Yeah, he said, take care of all my enemies. Yeah, right. He reportedly put blinders or a board over his eyes. Oh, yeah, that's like a de-stressor, right? <laughs> Let's blind the sheep and then he'll feel better. Yeah, I wasn't sure how blinders would help the situation. No. But that's because I was thinking of horse blinders. For, for no. a horse, blinders stop them from seeing sideways so they can focus on the racetrack. Well, and so they don't get distracted. Yeah, but ram blinders are different. They cover the front of the face so they can only see sideways. And since they're used to, like, ramming straight ahead, it can stop them from ramming, apparently. Did that work? We'll see. So the bit about the blinders, the whole story, really, it was used in the press to attack Jefferson's policies. Because even back then, everything was politicized. Even ram blinders. Yeah. They said the attacks by this free-roaming ram added to the proofs that unbridled liberty is productive of naught but evil. One letter to the editor... It was printed verbatim, and it had lots of spelling and grammar errors, which makes me wonder if it was just meant to look like it was from some yokel. (laughs) It said, I read how the president's ram killed a boy down to Washington. Now I am sorry for the boy, and I don't doubt the president is, but I know something about rams as well as the president. If he thinks he's going to stop him from killing more people by putting a board before his eyes, he's mistaken. Now... If he tied one of his late severe war proclamations to the ram's tail and pulled off the beard, the ram would have run, just like them swine that the old book tells about right down into the sea. Mm-hmm. And then he says he doesn't understand this embargo. And some say they wish Mr. Jefferson wouldn't put boards for all the people's faces, as well as for the rams. Mm, metaphors. Yeah. Gotta love a metaphor from a yokel. Right. Is a yokel like 
local, but I think it's a like yodeling. A, I mean, to me, it's like a, a, a light friendly term for like like a hillbilly or a hick or somebody like that. But I don't know. Like a, a yokel. Like a hillbilly local mm-hmm. is a yokel. Possibly. Um, okay. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that anytime, up. Anytime you want to know what I, I don't know, but I will <laughs> uh, Then later that month, Jefferson started making arrangements to have his many horned ram and the 18 U's. And their little rams moved to Monticello that summer. The little, little, little rams. Yes. He was going to have them move there and separated from the other sheep. Oh, Shetland lamb. Ram is not going to like that. <laughs> Maybe not. Don't mess with them. To really understand Thomas Jefferson as a sheep breeder, we've got to talk about his big sheep master plan for a bit. He has a master plan? Yes. I thought it was just a breed. Oh, this is, this is, this is different. <sighs> and this, I think, helps bring some context to Jefferson's motivation and to the ultimate fate of this killer ram. So Thomas Jefferson had big plans for sheep, especially the rare Spanish breed of Merino sheep. Their wool, even more than the Shetlands he'd heard about, was the best. And they were so sought over that they were going for $1,000 each in the early 1800s. Oh, my gosh. Which would be a ton of money now. Well, yeah. Yeah. What you should have given to the child's parents. <laughs> right. In 1810, two years after Many Horns' first killing spree, oh. Jefferson got four Merino sheep, one ram and three ewes. First, before we move on to the Merino sheep, I feel like our Shetland ram needs some kind of a nickname. I agree. Um, I can't call it Shetland Ram every time because I have to think about how no, my tongue is placed in my no. mouth too much. I mean, it's poetic to call him the four-horned ram. But the four-horned ram if is you still a mouthful. Name, yeah. I, I would love for you to name him something. I can't name him. Okay. <laughs> I mean, horny is what comes to mind. For horny? For horny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I think I... See, I knew you'd be the one. All right. Now back to this. Okay. <laughs> In 1810, two years after Four Horny's first killing spree, <laughs> Jefferson got four merino sheep, one ram, and three ewes. They were super tiny, and they infected all his sheep with scab. What's scab? I don't know. It doesn't sound good, but I refuse to look it up. Oh, gosh. At Thank a certain point. I, I know. At a certain point, you had to let it go. And when you type scab into Google, I mean, it's not going to be good. No. The images will haunt you. The thing is, their wool was the finest in the country, so he didn't care about a little scab. And maybe it's like scabies. Maybe. Some, I mean, I'm sure it's some sort of gross Skin disease issue. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jefferson hatched a plan, a weirdly specific, grandiose secret plan to use his merinos to eventually populate all of Virginia. <laughs> this would be his great gift to the farmers of Virginia. Okay. The tricky part was that they had to be pure. And you can't, you can't build an army of pureblood sheep with only three lady sheep. It would take too long. Right. So how long does a sheep's pregnancy last? I mean, I don't know. Six months? I'm not sure. All I know is that there's, I can't remember what animal, but it's something like a year and a half. Is it elephants, I think, have long pregnancies. Oh, yeah. It's two two or four years for an elephant. I, I can't, mean, something like seems, that. That seems long. I think it's two years and I just, my soul hurts yeah. for those elephants. Yeah, right. It's probably why they only have one baby following them because they're like, I'm not doing that shit again. The elephants? Yeah. 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 Uh, didn't an elephant chase you once, too? <laughs> I don't think so. A baby elephant knocked me over, but I okay. wasn't running away from oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's just it was something just, you forget. We were just playing. Yeah, just playing. <laughs> yeah, you They're guys very... were in the same preschool, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I was just visiting an elephant sanctuary, again, in Nepal in the wetlands. Okay, okay. And um, it was really adorable, but it didn't know its own strength. And we were kind of playing, and it knocked me over in a playful manner. Were you hurt? No, well, it wasn't good. hurt, but I, it was, I mean, it was dangerous. Gotcha. It was, I mean, it, they're very strong. Like it knocked me over. What's You're it? lucky to have survived that trip for multiple <laughs> reasons. Yeah, there's more stories where that came from. Okay, continue with the scabs. <laughs> so you need to bring in some common country use for this master plan to propagate these sheep. Mm -hmm. But you also need to get pure merino sheep. So the idea, Jefferson's idea was that if you take a merino ram and you breed it with a regular old country ewe, what you get is a half-blood merino, in his terms. And only pure bloods are allowed here. Right. So then... No mud bloods. No muggles either. <laughs> then you take that original ram and you have it breed with its daughter. 
Um, what now? Okay. You take <laughs> you take your you take your pureblood ram. Okay. And you have it breed with some some just sheep off the street. Okay. All right. Then that baby has to have sex with its father. Yes. <sighs> and then this is really disturbing. Then the original ram has to breed again with its granddaughter. And then one more time. So it has to breed with every offspring. Yes. One more time with the great granddaughter. And then boom, his great, great grandchild has only one sixteenth of the blood of a country you and is basically pure, but inbred as hell. Well, yeah. So it doesn't have other problems or does that not count for sheep? I don't think it counts enough for sheep. Not enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering if Jefferson spent this much time calculating the purity of humans based on race, the answer is yes. Oh, Jesus. In the same letter where he talks about breeding merino sheep, he put that same mathematical energy into working out what kind of crossings between white and black people would produce, in his words, mulatto, black, or white children, so that having only one eighth of pure Negro blood would clear the blood. Oh, God, that is so disgusting. I have to wonder if he thought in terms of his enslaved children when he was doing this math and if he considered them impure and whether he spent more time on them or his sheep. I'm just, I'm just so disturbed by so many elements of this story. You're right. I thought it sounded so innocent in the beginning. Oh, we're going to talk about breeding sheep. Yeah. Now we're talking about sheep incest. And we're talking about Jefferson comparing slaves to animals. And then we're also talking about pure blood of slaves and we're learning just, so much together i'm just disgusted yeah. all right jefferson's grand merino breeding scheme did not work out for a couple reasons one reason was because the country became flooded with merino sheep from spain and they were so plentiful that people were eating them for mutton so they used to be worth a thousand dollars each mutton. exactly and now they're just like being eaten um and two it became hard to sell their wool because it was too nice. It's too soft. It was only suited to really fine things, and people living out in the country didn't want it. Yeah. They're like, that's going to rip <laughs> yeah. really quickly. Yeah. So Jefferson's special sheep weren't special anymore, and his secret master breeding plan went bust. That's when he shifted his sheep affections to yet another kind of sheep. God. And so Shetland, Merino, and what's the third? This is the last new type of sheep that you have to hear about today. Oh, good. These were Barbary broadtail sheep, or I think Tunis sheep. These sheep had the best meat, and Jefferson said that raising them pure was a favorite object of his. Besides, you know, Sally Hemings. Whoa. Whoa. And this doesn't make sense to me because it sounds like raising them was super frustrating. He had one pair of these broadtail sheep. But he couldn't get them to breed with each other because, in his words, the ewe's massive tail wouldn't admit the commerce of the ram. Ew. That can be a problem. That's disgusting. I know. <laughs> what kind of tail is it? A broad tail. A broad. That's why they call them broad. Exactly. Maybe that's why they call them broads. She's a broad. Maybe. Is that connected? I don't think so. It's something you to look into. You should look that up in your Oxford English Dictionary. Maybe I'll do that later. Yeah. Okay. So instead of breeding these pure sheep, Jefferson just bred the ram with the regular old country ewes using math and incest again. Ew. But he kept running into the same problem. The broad tail? Once you get to that third or fourth generation and you've got a ewe who's now seven eighths pure blood Barbary broad tail, boom, her tail's too big to breed. <laughs> oh my God. It's too big to breed. So they, so you could tie something around the tail to hold it aside. You could, I mean, couldn't, there's so many things you could do. I don't know. Maybe. I didn't look that deep into it. It seems like you looked deep into it. There were no, <laughs> there, were, there were no image searches <laughs> related to this particular problem. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The most important thing to know is that these Barbary sheep were Jefferson's favorites, his babies. He kept them separated from the others to protect them. I just want to cuddle a little lamb now. Yeah. Like Heidi. Let's return now to <laughs> Four Horny. For Horny, what's he been up to? So he's like a grandfather at this point, right? Uh, probably, yeah. So Jefferson found out that the wool from this killer ram and his offspring was in fact not suitable for making Shetland stockings or anything valuable except maybe uncomfortable blankets. Oh no, so this boy died for nothing. Exactly. Oh, that's, I mean, not that it would have been okay if he did make great blankets, but... Yeah. So there was absolutely no good that came out of this sheep. This ram no longer had value. This Shetland was a piece of shit. 
And Jefferson seemed to know that there was only one way to get rid of this curse. Which was? Just like in the ring, you have to pass it on to someone else. Oh my gosh. What if, oh my gosh, what if the man's story, Barry? Yeah. What if he had gone through all of this for years already? Maybe, you know and what? And he like tried to get rid of this thing and, and it starts all over again with Jefferson. How many nights do you think I tried to find that out? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, James D. Barry, nothing like that happened in his history <laughs> that I could tell. Okay. That yeah, you could find. That I could find. Mm-hmm. So Jefferson decided to give the animal away to a senator in Georgia. Did he warn the senator that yeah. this is a murderous sheep? Nope. He did not? No. He wrote, I have for you a very fine Iceland ram with four horns. <laughs> the senator wrote back thanking him and saying that the wool would be perfect for clothing for his slaves. Oh, my goodness. Jefferson didn't mention that the ram had a penchant for murder. This was not even the first time that Jefferson downplayed the danger of an animal that he passed off. What's another time he did that? I didn't even tell you about the grizzly bears. What? He had grizzly bears? This is this sounds like one of his myths, like no, the alligator. This is absolutely true. He kept a couple of grizzly bears on the lawn of the White House for a while. Oh my. I, I, his critics called it his bear garden. What? Next to a school? All right. They weren't there for that long. And How long were they there? Uh, maybe a few months. And they were in... A few months? They were in an enclosure. So they weren't just roaming free. It's a little better, but what kind of enclosure? You need like... A I don't tall know. zoo wall. All I know is that it wasn't big enough for them. God. So this this explorer named Pike. Is Pike going to die? Just tell me now. No. Okay. I mean, probably eventually, but not, not in this story. Not via bear? No. He gave Jefferson a gift of these two grizzly bear cubs, a male and a female. Uh, okay. Because why not? Because they're going to breed and you can use their fur. I, yes, yes, I don't bear know. Bear skin. He yeah. was going to propagate Virginia with, okay, with bear skin with bear rugs. Skins. Jeff- it could have gone in a very different direction. It could have. <laughs> Jefferson knew how dangerous they were, and he wrote to his granddaughter, These are too dangerous and troublesome for me to keep. I shall therefore send them to Peel's Museum. He decided to send them to Charles Wilson Peel, who had a museum of animals and weird nature stuff in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when he offered them to Peel, he said they were perfectly gentle and good-humored. Why is he lying so much? He just wants to get rid of things. He doesn't give a shit about anybody else. (laughs) Only after Peel accepted them and received them did Jefferson say, well, one was almost furious when they were separated. But he emphasized, I do not think they have any idea of hurting anyone. They're bears. Apparently he was some kind of bear whisperer. It turns out that grizzly bears aren't always good humored and gentle. One of the grizzly bears eventually broke out of its cage in Peel's museum. And according to Gay Wilson's article in the Monticello newsletter, it terrorized the Peel family until it was finally shot dead in the basement kitchen. Oh my God. Can you imagine fighting a grizzly bear in your kitchen or basement? No. That's some Jurassic Park shit. That's very Disney brave shit. Yeah. yeah, That too. I mean, that is terrifying. Thanks, Jefferson. <laughs> right. Great gift. <laughs> he's, he's the best. Uh, he's you know? such a thoughtful gift giver. He's, he's a great re-gifter so is what he is. He's a great, thoughtful, honest re-gifter. He's the best. Um, I mean, I, I don't mean to be so hard on Jefferson. This story is not I, his best I'm getting work. more and more, yeah, frustrated with him. The deeper you go into Jefferson. I get more, yeah. Is that the, th- is that the thing? Like, I think The more so, you yeah. know? yeah a problem so the the other grizzly bear was put down too and they were mounted and displayed in the museum they didn't do anything wrong except be bears yeah yeah i'm so i mean pike probably shouldn't have shipped them off to the president you know jefferson isn't the only one to blame here i think it's just a overall disrespect for wild animals that's what's happening here yeah there's i mean there's this impetus to like educate the public and show them these wild animals but if They're you're not, not going to respect them and, and raise them. And right. speaking of Jurassic Park, I mean, that's the whole point of that movie. Yes. It's the whole message. Yes. Because nature finds a way. Nature finds a way. <laughs> Bear's going to bear. Ram's going to ram. Ram's going to disembowel. Major's going to nip. <laughs> Major. So Jefferson wanted to send four horny to the senator. But for some reason, it wasn't working out. Maybe yeah. because people were scared to get near it. Right. Just a guess. Yeah. I mean, word has traveled. You would think, point. yeah. Maybe Jefferson's not telling anybody anything, but you'd think other people would yeah, tell Yeah, other people are talking. It's a small town. Yeah, maybe people are saying, hey, why is that horn 
covered in blood. Yeah. Or, you know, for horny cannot be trusted. It's a mad ram. Yeah. Mad ram. So Jefferson told the senator that he would send him another four-horned ram, the son of the killer. But that didn't work out either. Because... Was the son of the killer also a killer? There's no indication of that. Okay. But it didn't work out because Daddy Fourhorns or Four Horny mm-hmm. had other plans. Oh, dear. Before Jefferson could ship off the son, our Four-Horned Ram killed him. What? Four Horny killed his own son. What? He He's murderous it to his own baby lamb? He, yeah. Yes. Is he like a hamster? Um... So, he didn't stop there. Four Horny also somehow managed to escape his enclosure and kill two of Jefferson's beloved Barbary rams. Oh my gosh. I think Four Horny was just done. He was he went on a rampage, it looks like. A rampage. <laughs> I didn't and I didn't even realize I was doing no, it. No, you didn't do it. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm I'm sure You're not just trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Very funny. <laughs> I swear I had no idea I was making a pun. I forgive you. <laughs> Jefferson wrote a letter to the senator, and this letter explains it all. He said, The many horned ram which I was to have sent to Norfolk for you was killed by his sire. This abominable animal killed moreover two fine Barbary rams for me, and was so dangerous generally that I was obliged to have him destroyed. Now you are obliged to have him destroyed? The last thing he said was, I found the species very worthless. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm just a little shocked. I, <laughs> I'm just a little shocked because it's, I mean, I am not for destroying animals. I mean, look at the, these poor bears. You know, the bear was put down because it was being a bear. Yeah. And then it's friend was put down because it was guilty by association yeah and this ram lived on and Mm -hmm. on and on Mm -hmm. to kill a boy to attack old men to disfigure a little girl and to kill like five other animals it took the death of something that jefferson actually cared about for him to do something oh is that really how how you see it i see it yeah like a boy is killed okay here's here's some blinders his sheep are killed okay this ram has to die Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So in in Watergate, the big question was, what did the president know and when did he know it? Mm -hmm. Jefferson knew this ram was dangerous long before it killed someone. Yeah. He seemed to value its life and what he might be able to get from it more than he valued the safety of anyone who came near it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said before, he knew that there was a school nearby. He knew that tons of people were walking through those grounds. He didn't. And that's a huge risk. Yeah, I think it could have there could have been more children. It's possible. I mean, he didn't do anything about it after the one child was besides blinders. Yeah. I mean, he, the ram could have killed more children. I think his priority was breeding this ram for its wool. And he didn't want to do anything that might get in the way of that. He's like he's like the mayor in Jaws refusing to close the beach. Right. That's and that, a good comparison. Thank you. I get it. That's the only reason I can think of that even after someone died, he wouldn't put the ram down. Because it was too valuable. At least he thought it was too valuable. And turns out it was very worthless. And that boy, like you said, died for nothing. Mm. We've talked about the myth of John Quincy Adams having a pet alligator in the White House. Mm -hmm. That he used to scare people. Yes. Which is ridiculous. (laughs) But this is a story that's 100% true, but not quite as like children's book friendly. Right. But still, if you hear someone repeat that alligator story... And you want to turn a fun conversation into something dark? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lay this one on them. Yeah, yeah. If you want your conversation to end, yes. And you're talking about alligators, yeah. In, in the bathtub, you just turn <laughs> it to this murderous ram. There you go. And you will turn that conversation very fast. You will. We've just saved you. We, we've saved a you lot. from having to talk to people who spread bullshit <laughs> trivia, bullshit stories. I think it's time for a little game, don't okay. you? Yes, I'm ready for a I, game. I told you there'd be a game. Well, this game this game is a quiz. Oh, gosh. It's not about your listening skills. Or sheep. Mm, mm. Is it about sheep? Yeah. I think, I've, I think I learned a lot about sheep. This is about your survival skills. Oh, okay. We'll see how I'm able to survive. With right. what? Why? Continue. I just okay. want to know. 
This is about practical advice for staying safe around a real-life ram. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Is that ever be? Question one. Jesus. You encounter a ram that may be dangerous. Is it wearing blinders? You don't get Why extra information. Why are you this staring is, This at me is the like, question. You look so goddamn frustrated. You can't. You can't ask the proctor like more about. I didn't realize the this was standardized. This is standardized. <laughs> okay. Continue. All right. So I I get to a ram. Question one. Okay. Jesus. You encounter a ram that may be dangerous. Okay. What do you do? A. Look directly at it. B. Look down. C. Turn around and bend over. <laughs> oh, my next question is, do I have a broad tail? <laughs> Sorry. A, B, or C. You said there'd be no bestiality. You lied. It's not B, like Y, O, B. You can't, if you bring your own bestiality, I can't stop you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A, B, or That's C. That's what our shirt will say. B, Y, O, B. <laughs> do, you, do you need to bring hear the answers again? Bring your own bestiality. Yes, of course I do. All I know is I didn't hear the one that I would do. And I think I'm pretty good with animals and children. You encounter a ram that may be dangerous. Mm-hmm. What do you do? A, look directly at it. B, look down. C, turn around and bend over. Okay, so I'm going to cross off C. I'm not going to do that. Turn around. I feel like it. Wait, wait, wait. Say the first two again. Look directly at it. Look down. If I had to choose one of those, I guess I would say look down. Wrong. Jesus. That's the way to get rammed. <laughs> Rams lower their head before they charge. Oh. Lowering your head is a direct challenge to the ram and an invitation to get rammed. Are you trying to get rammed? <laughs> I was going to I was gonna act big and scary and, and chase it. You have to keep your eyes on the ram at all times. They're quick and you have a better chance of defending yourself if you can see it at all times. I was going to go ba 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 and run after it. That's what I seriously would do if I felt like I was about to be attacked. Okay. I would act big and scary so it would run away. We'll see. Now, I want to say that most of this came from a WikiHow article called How to Defend Against a Ram. Okay. So this is a disclaimer. Okay. Anything that could happen to you as a result of following this advice it is hereby disclaimed. It's by not us. our fault no. if you're rammed even after following this the standardized questionnaire. Yes. <laughs> okay. Question two. Noted. Question two. Got it. We're on question two. I got it. What is the best method to raise a ram to prevent it from attacking you? A. Keep the ram isolated from human contact as much as possible. B. That doesn't seem like the right answer. B. Make yourself familiar and non-threatening to the ram so it does not perceive you as a threat. C. good. C. Give the ram a banana. Nothing in what you said talked about bananas. So I'm going to go B. Wrong. What? You want the ram to see you as a threat so it won't ram you. Rams are not your friends, Jess. <laughs> I thought it, it liked familiar people. What was the first one again? A is keep the ram isolated from human contact as much as possible. This is correct. It's best to keep rams away from people so they don't try anything. Okay, there's a reason I'm not good at, like, question... You know how bad I am. Question three. Oh, Jesus. A ram is backing away from you. What do you do? It's about to ram me. A, back away from the ram. B, walk toward the ram. C, scratch the ram on the ram's head. I don't like any of those answers. Because you're going to say, wrong! If I back away, it's going to think I'm a threat. If I move toward it, it's going to think I'm a threat. If I scratch it, it's going to find me threatening. And if it's backing away, it's too far to scratch anyway. What's your best answer? Back away? Wrong. (laughs) A ram backing away from you is a ram planning to charge you. By backing away, you're telling the ram that you accept the challenge. What? Yeah, you're going to get ram, Jess. (laughs) Are they all wrong and you you have reasons why they're all wrong? No, they all are correct. Sometimes two out of three are correct. You are still choosing the wrong one. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Am I that bad? Yeah. And the last one, a banana is not the worst thing. They like bananas. It might distract them. (laughs) But I thought this was like, what have you learned from survival skills from what I've learned about rams from your story? No, this is what you know as a person who's encountered apparently rhinos and baby elephants but had it been a ram i have it i you know i have to go in to situations and follow my gut instinct in the moment i'm still alive that's all i have to say question four 
Your poor choices have How led to How many questions a, are there? This is the final question. Okay, maybe I can get one of the answers. Question four. Mm-hmm. Your poor choices have led to a ram charging you. What do you do? A. Run toward the nearest exit in a serpentine pattern. B. Stay still as the ram charges you. At the last second when the ram lunges, jump to the side. C. Grab the ram's horn as it gets near you and use the ram's momentum to swing it in a circle. Then wrestle the ram to the ground, humiliating it. (laughs) I mean, my gut says to run away in a serpentine pattern. But don't say it. I'm just talking out loud. I haven't chosen anything yet. You chose it. I did not choose it. I wasn't... I'm just saying that's what my gut says. In the moment... I think you would go with your gut. No, I'm just, no, but this isn't my gut. My gut, when I'm reading this or when I'm listening to this test, that's what it says. Because that's what I would do with bees. But you said they're quick. So maybe it would catch up with me even if I was running zigzag. So what were the other two? Stay still as the ram charges you. At the last second when the ram lunges, jump to the side. That seems like a good choice because you're kind of outwitting it. But if they're quick, then I'll just turn around and get you from wherever it is because now you're really close to it. The other one is grab the ram's horn as it gets near you and use the ram's momentum to swing it in a circle, then wrestle the ram to the ground, humiliating it. I think that sounds absolutely absurd. So I'm going to go with that one. Both B and C are correct. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, your gut. (gasps) might have killed you because you cannot outrun a ram they can run 40 miles per hour see i was gonna ask you so that don't but even you, try it okay yeah all right 40 miles per hour they look so short and stocky to be able to run that fast you know um if you stay still and you wait for the moment when a ram moves to its hind legs to lunge at you that's when you swerve to the side mm-hmm. according to wiki how which i think was based on the report of one guy who Survived. like worked on a farm i don't know <laughs> um When the ram is on its hind legs, he can only move forward. So you moving to the side will confuse the ram, and that's your chance to grab its horn and wrestle it to the ground. You can hit it in the nose with a stick Mm -hmm. or your feed bucket if you have one. Feed bucket. (laughs) So when you do this, your goal isn't to hurt the ram. Your goal is to humiliate it so that it learns not to challenge you. And so it's, it's not top dog you are. Yes, you're the alpha. Yeah. Yeah. You're teaching it who's boss. Apparently. But I just know strength-wise, it seems pretty difficult to wrestle it to the ground. (laughs) So you should probably avoid rams in general. I'm not around a lot of rams. Well, if you find yourself around rams. I do love goats. It's true. They're so sweet. They don't do this shit to you. No, but sometimes rams come around to breed with them. Mm, I haven't really been around rams. You'd know. (laughs) If I've learned anything about rams while digging into this, it's that rams are not pets. They're not your friends. They are angry sperm banks that you should never visit alone. Okay. Thank you for playing. I'm so sorry that you lost the game. <laughs> you are harsh, man. Like, I know. Those are hard questions for a city girl. Um, your consolation prize is one more weird fact. Okay. There is a university in Philadelphia that's named after Thomas Jefferson. Are you sure it's not named for horny? <laughs> Your little sheepish grin right now is, I tell you. Um, You're ramming me with these facts oh and I just God. can't take it anymore. Their sports team is, well, here, let me show you. I'm scared. It's a ram. They have, oh, they're the Rams. This is Thomas Jefferson University. And so their they sports know this team story. Is, Rams. It's not as bad as you think. It was actually the result of a merger between two schools a few years ago. Uh-huh. Thomas Jefferson University had no athletics department, but Philadelphia University was the Rams. And when they merged, they kept the name the Rams. So now... So do they even know what they've done? I don't know if they understand the ramifications. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you reached out? I have not reached out. What am I going to say? Not like trying to rectify anything, but just to seek out knowledge. You know, if maybe they have knowledge. when this episode comes out, maybe I'll share it with their athletics department. Yeah. Yeah. You do that. So hi, Rams. See if you get, <laughs> hi, Rams. Uh, I'm happy to report that their mascot, Phil the Ram, um, has two horns. Uh-huh. Yeah. And hasn't murdered anybody. Not that we know of. <laughs> he may be frightening in his own way, but I don't believe he's a monster. Okay. He's no wolf in uh, sheep's clothing. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> 
That is the story of Thomas Jefferson's killer ram. That was a fantastic choice for a first episode. Thank you. I want to give a quick shout out to some of our newest patrons. So exciting. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much. Melissa, welcome. Aaron with an E and Tom, thank you. (laughs) You guys are educating the next generation together through chemistry and public media. And you're both lovely. Sean, thank you. Mm -hmm. Sean has taken some amazing historical road trips with his family. Oh. And I want to be a part of that. (laughs) Will you adopt Howard? (laughs) Yeah, I can be like the the Ellen Arkin in your Little Miss Sunshine. (laughs) Hopefully with a happier ending. Yeah, right. Kate, thank you. Your support tells me that you're obviously a wonderful person with great taste. (laughs) Carrie, thank you. She found us from our guest appearances on the Historical AF podcast, which were so much fun. Thanks to Kina as well then. Yes. And Sam, Sam aspires to be a historian or a politician. Oh, wow. You know, why not both? Yeah, that's kind of cool. I think it's so important for politicians to study history. Absolutely. And I think that the, the marriage of history and politics could, could really be wonderful mm-hmm. or terrifying, <laughs> depending on if you go to the dark side. Right. So stay on the light side, Sam. <laughs> Thanks yep. for joining, Sam. It means so much to us. We love sharing outtakes with our patrons and mm-hmm. our bonus podcast, Kinder Plotting, with our six-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. doing uh, meetups on Zoom. Lots of fun goodies if you check us out on patreon.com. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at another kind of animal that looms large among the early presidents. A raccoon? I'm not going to say. I promise there will be less death, but maybe a little more profanity. Oh, wow. Yeah. And more puns. Uh, You can reach out to us on Facebook or at the website plodpod.com. If you like what you heard, please leave a review and tell your friends. I know maybe you like just keeping this between us and <laughs> and that's cool, but maybe it's time to open it up we a little are bit. Reaching out. We're yeah. trying to reach out a little bit more. Yeah, just try it. See how it feels. It'll feel good. Thank you for <laughs> plotting with us. Thanks for plotting. We're so excited to be back. Cheers to season three. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm just disgusted. Blech.